Hey friends, welcome to the Threadcast. This is Ryan Smith. I hope that your day is going well. Um, I hope that you're having a great day, uh, a good day. Uh, one of uh, one of the friends I've come to know, he says every day is his best day. And I think that's a pretty neat way of looking at it. So whether you're having your best day or a good day or maybe even a bad day, uh, I hope that uh, this podcast finds you in a way ready to to wrestle, to think, to learn. Um, we are in the midst of doing our triangle series, and we've talked about the idea of self and tribe and world and how these affect who we are. And then we've given you the four words that with self and tribe to look, to help you dive deeper into those if you're ready to. We also have looked at world, um, and we've talked about the idea of having a welcoming attitude, uh, one of hospitality, no matter if we find ourselves in a hostile environment. Uh, we also talked about the concept of culture, right, and that the, the, the beauty of embracing other cultures um, so that we can have a better view of who we are. And so today we're going to talk maybe about a, a hot topic, if you will, or one that's maybe not talked a lot about these days in churches, is the idea of environment and a Christian's take on how they are to engage the environment or the earth as a Christ follower of someone of the way. And so... Um, yeah, so we're going to dive deep into this and just uh, see where this takes us. Um, I want to start off with a statement. As bearers of God's image, as, as God bearers in Mago Day, all people have the responsibility and privilege of caring for God's creation. And that's a statement I found that I think I agree with 100%. And I want to kind of start off as that is the basis for where I'm going in this threadcast. As bearers of God's image, all people have the responsibility and privilege of caring for God's creation. See, Christians in particular, should we should be motivated by Scripture. We ought to love and care for the earth because it's God's very good creation and because we must care for the most vulnerable people on the planet. But we haven't done this well. Um, our day-to-day choices and attitudes are often driven by our culture, our lifestyle preferences, and not the Bible. Now, I believe the science is clear um, be, this, that because of human activity, we see effects like species extinction and climate change. Now, I know um, there's some that will debate the science of this, this conversation. And, um, and I don't want to get into, the, into those uh, differences right now in this podcast, in this threadcast. Um, but I do want to, I'm going to make the statement that I believe at the very least, I think science points to because of human activity, we see effects in things like species extinction, and that the climate is somehow impacted by what humans do. Um, now, if you're not there and you want to have a discussion about that, or then I'll be happy to do that outside of this threadcast, but I'm going to at least start with that statement as I keep going through this threadcast. Um, and so, um, I think Christians, Christian motivations to care for the natural world are clear and strong in Scripture. And that's kind of where I'm going to spend most of my time in this threadcast, is really from the scriptural side. Yet, um, in our culture today, environmental issues have become highly politicized, so that motivations feel more political than religious. Uh, this is particularly true on the issue of climate change. In fact, um, I found this statement says, in studies, Studies have shown that the strongest predictor of whether we accept the scientific consensus on climate change is not how much science we know or how religious we are. It is where we fall on the political spectrum. 
And I think that's so true. I think I've been in conversations. I know I've been in conversations where um, we're tracking on on our idea of, 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 of seeing, looking at some science stuff, but then really looking at the scriptural side and seeing where we go with this with God. And then as we get closer and closer and connect the, the, the theological and, and the philosophical dots in the environment and what we do, it seems like we keep going, but then they g- get hesitant because it almost feels like instead of having a theolog- theological conversation where it feels like it's going to get into a political, and they're not ready to cross that political boundary, that political line, which I think is so interesting. I th- I've seen it happen on both sides, um, both uh, um, conservative and liberal. Um, and so um, we want to try to get past this political um, effort. And I know it's, everybody likes to say, oh, I'm not political when it comes to this, right? I'm just scriptural. But we have to at least acknowledge that that's true, that um, that where we fall in the political stre- spectrum most impacts how we're going to see this topic at first. Uh, Billy Graham has this quote that I love. Um, it says this, Why should we be concerned about the environment? It isn't just because of the dangers we face from pollution, climate change, or other environmental problems, although these are serious. For Christians, the issue is much deeper. We know that God created the world and it belongs to Him, not us. Because of this, we are only stewards or trustees of God's creation, and we aren't to abuse or neglect it. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, Psalm 24, 1. When we fail to see the world as God's creation, we will end up abusing it. Selfishness, greed take over, and we end up not caring about the environment or the problems we're creating for future generations. And I love that quote from, from Billy Graham. Um, I love how he points out the idea that if we fail to see the world as God's creations, we will end up abusing it. He says selfishness and greed take over. And not only are we creating problems for us, but for the future generations. And so... Um, I just love that that that, that concept. I love that 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 thought there. The Christian vision of creation care is rooted in Scripture. The cre- Christian vision of creation care is rooted in Scripture. Jesus taught that the most important commandments are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Our love for God must be reflected in fulfilling the role He gave to humanity. And God appointed us to bear His image and entrusted this world to our care, Genesis 2.15. So caring for God's creation is one of the most fundamental things we are called to do. I think Scripture is clear that creation belongs to God. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Psalm 24, 1, what Billy Graham quoted. Also, Psalm 50, 10 through 11. For every wild animal of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds there and all the, mo- all the moves in the field is mine. Colossians 1, 15 through 16. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. All things have been created through him. And for him. And then in the law given to Israel through Moses, God made provision for the renewal of the land in Exodus 23, 10 through 12, as well as for the poor in Leviticus 23, 22, and for other creatures in Deuteronomy 25, 4. I know that's a lot of passages to quote out, but those are just showing where this idea that creation care may be costly for us, 
um, just like it was costly for the Israelites, but it's still something we're called to do. So again, those passages were Exodus 23, 10 through 12, Leviticus 23, 22, and Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 25, 4. Now, for many Christians, loving God means spending time in worship and prayer. And I think this is foundational. Um, but I think there's another way to express our love for God. Jesus tells me, tells us, not just me, if you love me, keep my commands. So loving God means obeying. This includes caring about what happens to God's creation because God cares about it and because God gave us the job of caring for it. We worship God by caring for creation. We don't worship creation. Now, I want you to hear that because a lot of times, uh, especially on, on the conservative side, um, they'll start to say, wait a minute, wait a minute here. We're not, we're not supposed to worship the, the, the physical things, right? We're supposed to be all about the spiritual things. This isn't what this is about. We worship God by caring for creation. We don't worship creation. God created the world for his glory. And because of this, it reveals his glory to us. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Psalm 8.1. Um, God also gave humans a special place in that creation. As we can see in that same passage in Psalm 8.6, it says, You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. And so, this special place... However special it is, the thing that we have to also remember is that we are not the owners. This world, this land, this house that I may have the deed for, or this land that I might have the deed for, it's still not mine. Although God gave humans dominion over the earth, the Bible is full of references to God's continued ownership. God does not give us keep complete control to do with creation as we will. Rather, the Bible makes it clear that our authority is only entrusted to us. God retains ultimate authority. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. Psalm 24.1, we keep coming back to that, right? Despite problems caused by human sin that we see in Genesis 3, the earth still brings glory to God and God still cares for and sustains the natural processes of the world. Um, in Psalm 103, it says, Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Because God's glory is revealed in creation, we should be intentional about caring for his artistry, about his creation. Now, another topic that I think we should consider in this this discussion is it's the, it's the idea of stewardship, right? The term stewardship is often used to describe how we ought to think of our relationship to God's creation. We are like the servants in the parable of the talents. The natural world is a precious gift for which we will be held accountable. We hold it in trust for God, but we also hold it for the next generations. Another theologian named John Calvin understood this concept of stewardship. Here's a quote from him. It says, Let him who possesses a field so partake of its yearly fruits that he may not suffer the ground to be injured by his negligence, but let him endeavor to hand it down to posterity as he received it or even better cultivated. Let him so feed on its fruits that he neither dissipates it by, by luxury nor permits it to be marred by neglect. Moreover, let everyone regard himself as the steward of God in all things 
which he possesses. I love this idea that John Calvin, he doesn't, he says, take every, it's your land, eat from it. Take, you know, take what you will from it. You know, be blessed by the land that you own. But he says, don't neglect, don't do it in such a way that it's going to make it forever be barren after you're done with it. That when you leave that land, that it's still, it can still be passed on either to your heirs or to somebody else to come along, to God's heirs, right? Um, I love that idea. The other thing I think we should kind of own up to, and I, I, I know I didn't want to get into the science too much, but I do want to make this statement. I think our actions have caused the loss of biodiversity across the world today. Now, biodiversity refers to the number of different kinds of plants, animals, bacteria, fungi, all that kind of stuff in a given ecosystem. And I believe the science points out that because of human impacts on the environment, species are becoming extinct at a much higher rate than normal. The natural rate of extinction is estimated to be one to five species per year. The current rate is 1,000 to 10,000 times faster. On average, one species goes extinct every hour. All creatures have value before God because God made them and called them good. If we love what God loves, then we must lament biodiversity loss and the extinction of other species, especially when we're the cause. You know, and one that's so easy that we see is, is just the idea of the bees, right? Um, a lot of people are starting to take up the cause so that the bees are going extinct and how important that if we lose the bees, how much that will affect um our world, right? And that's just one example. The last thing I want to kind of bring up in this conversation is the passage about loving your neighbor as yourself. And uh, in one of our gatherings, someone brought out the idea that loving your neighbor, we've, we've hit hard on the idea that who is your neighbor, and obviously your neighbor is anybody that you come in contact with. It's not just the person next door, but it could be, you know, someone that you disagree with. Someone that you, you know could be the Samaritan, who could be anybody, like right. But one of the things they pointed out was that loving your neighbor through creation is also loving your future neighbors, the neighbors that aren't even born yet. The neighbors that that that, that is still that command applies not to just to the now that you're in, but also to the future neighbors. And I love that thought. And to some Christians. Christian care or creation care, earth environment can sound like we value the planet more than people. But caring for the planet really is caring for people. The effects of environmental degradation on human health are devastating. Malnutrition from food shortages, higher rates of tropical disease, cardiorespiratory distress from pollution, and conflicts over natural resources are just some of the ways environmental problems impact the lives of real people every day all over the world. At first, climate change might seem unrelated, but it's more than a matter of warming up a few degrees. Climate change is a threat multiplier. It will make lots of bad problems worse. Refugees crises, hunger, disease, poverty, biodiversity loss, deforestation, air pollution, and scarcity of resources. Christians who are working in majority world countries often see the effects of environmental degradation 
and climate change in ways we here in the States have no clue of understanding. They can attest to the realities of drought, of pollution, and conflict that are exasperated by human activity. The poorest and most vulnerable people on the planet are negatively impacted by the choices and actions of the wealthiest. And if you're listening to this threadcast, you fall in the wealthiest section. And so what do we do? Um, We make lifestyle changes, right? Um, People have long adapted their life habits and systems to the energy that is available to them. The challenge for us is to make changes voluntarily for the sake of the poor and for the sake of God's creation. Before they are forced on us by world events, we can do this with some of the following changes. Now, I want to list just a few of them. And what we talked about in our gathering was that this idea of in how we engage the environment can also be done through the triangle, right? Through um, uh, self, uh, world, and tribe. The idea that that uh, when you think about it, you can you can the changes you can make can be at the self level, right? In your own home, just you yourself. <clears throat> they can be done in the tribe, right? You know, with your church or your small groups that you're involved with, whatever it might be, you can start thinking about it that way. And then how do you engage the world? And so here's some ideas just to think about. Um, first, the idea of living more simply. Uh, most Americans, we can make lifestyle changes that will reduce our energy requirements. We can learn godliness with contentment and being enslaved to materialism like we see in First Timothy 6, right? The idea that we can make choices that we don't have to have some of the things we think we have to have. Another thing we can do is use energy more efficiently. Most of us waste a significant portion of the energy we consume. Uh, we can enjoy many comforts while using less energy. Um, and I think churches are moving in this direction. You know, churches have always been this vast uh, suction of energy. You know, it takes so much to heat them and cool them. And but I think a lot of churches, houses of worship, are trying to make. Uh, changes to become good models of good stewardship in this. And then um, some other changes that are a little bit bigger than maybe just on our own level. So we can start to have the conversations about what it means to switch to renewable energy sources, right? Um, Several alternative energy options exist that do not increase greenhouse gases. The idea of wind, solar, hydroelectric, geothermal, you know, all these things. Uh, And that's that's a tough one because those are some things that we can't, we don't, maybe we can't control some ways, um, there's one some great people, the Ellards, uh, who live in the UK. Um, they talked with us this Sunday at our gathering, and they talked how they're they've uh, done things to their their small home um, to be, you know, they, they how they garden, how they do some geothermal heating, how they're taking out their gas in all their home. I mean, just doing some incredible things that are so inspiring. Um, the challenge will be develop um, these viable energy sources on a scale we need at a price we can afford, right? Let's let's acknowledge that, that right now to do this just isn't, like, it's not cost effective, right? Um, but that still doesn't mean we shouldn't look into it. And then the other the other one that I, I don't want to jump into is just the idea of policy reforms, right? That this is where we do get political. Um, and this is the hard one in there. But I think that's at least a conversation we should be willing to approach someday and at least look to. And so um, what I'd like to close with is um, the Ellards gave us three areas that we should just be challenged. Like what could, if, if you're hearing this and you're moved for the very first time, what can I do to, to start to engage the environment in a better way? And they said, just keep it as simple as possible and just keep it into your own, your own little world. And so they, they said, first litter. <laughs> I love this. 
is that Jake said that when he would go on his walk on a walk with his wife or with his daughter or whoever it was, that they would make a goal of picking up three pieces of litter and put it in the garbage in the, in the bin um, on their walk, right? And so the idea of of just as we walk around, as we engage the environment, look for ways to just pick up trash. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to pick up the whole city, but uh, maybe just picking up pieces here and there. The other one they said was um, the clothes that we buy, right? So this gets back to the idea of, one, living more simply. Like, do we need all the clothes that we think we need? Do we need closets and closets, just one closet for our shoes, one closet for our hats, and then our clothes, right? Do we need all that? Um, but then also one thing that they challenge us with is your, where are your clothes being made? You know, being aware of those things. Are are the choices you're buying from, you know, um, are, are they are they being bought from clothes that are being made where, where people aren't getting a living wage or where, you know, they're being taken advantage of, that kind of deal. So just being mindful of your clothes, you know, how much, and then even if you're willing to go to where they're produced. And the last one they said was recycling. They said start with wherever you can. Um, and I love that they said the idea that some days you just, you're tired and you just need to throw something away. That's okay. You know, this isn't a punishment that we're trying to, you always do, but, but recycle when you can, um, I know here in the States, sometimes cities um, don't pick up recycling in certain things. And so um, that becomes more of a burden, right? Um, but I love those three things. The, you know, looking for litter, uh, challenging the clothes in your, your closet, and then also the idea of recycling. Um, I'm going to try to put some things on Facebook this week and uh, some other places. And I'd love to hear maybe just the small things you're doing and, and what it means for you to engage the environment. How are you trying to make your footprint a little less and becoming someone who um, loves their neighbor by loving creation. Um, so if you've got those, we'd love to hear those and let's uh, let's see what, a, what, what examples we can come up with. I want to close um, with a prayer that we read at our gathering this past Sunday and I want it to be our closing prayer, just kind of a, a benediction for us as we go away. God, by whom our fragile earth is blessed, make us servants of your creation respecting and protecting all that you have made. Teach us the joy of field and flower, the splendor of forest and tree, the grandeur of ocean and river. Make us yearn for a world where we all may flourish. Show us how to walk gently on the earth and hold all in trust for future generations. Amen. Hope you have a great day. Grace and peace.